Ulterior. Over the last couple days, at the first glance of any bit of an inconvenience to myself, I have said under my breath, or even aloud if I'm by myself, how can this nightmare be my life? <laughs> Man, it's been a week, I think, since all that shit happened on Twitter, but it's amongst the funniest things I've ever seen on seen Twitter, Metalcore Twitter, whatever the fuck Twitter. And one of the craziest things about that whole sequence was um, the initial statement by that band. It, it said that they would call San Antonio Police Department. And I'm like, wait, these motherfuckers local? There's a cop calling band in the area, in the vicinity? Brother, that shit don't fly here, for real, for real. But anyways, anywho... um. That was all just one big ass laugh, and it's going to, it's going to stand the test of time. I, I really believe working and working to survive, how can this nightmare beat my life, will be a constant in meme culture on Twitter for the alternative community, and I'm all for that, man, because that shit is funny as hell. Um, all right, podcasting, that's what we're here for, I almost forgot. Uh, so what do we got on this episode? We got quite a bit, actually. We got brand new singles by Lex of... The Wonder Years, Era, Linkin Park, and a couple of others mentioned, and then brand new records by Pale Dusk, Lost in Separation, I Don't Know How But They Found Me, and Shoreline. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So I wasn't totally sure if I would go ahead and cover this on the show or, you know, make a video out of it, but I said something about this topic on Twitter and it ended up getting a lot of love because it's something that myself and so many others like you guys are obviously passionate about. And that is the fact that a couple of days ago now, the Death of Peace of Mind by Bad Omens had its second anniversary. And when I look back on my personal experience in the lead up to that record and then hearing it for the first time, it's one of the most fascinating and well-earned journeys that I've ever seen any band in the alternative scene embark on. Because even through self-titled and Finding God, it was so obvious that Bad Omens had next. The sound was there, the charisma of every member shined through in every single recording and live performance and interview and anything else from them. Like, I specifically remember watching a live stream that they did in, I believe it was December of 2020 during COVID, and when they were playing Limits, I could just feel that, like, once the world opened back up and they moved on to their next era, they were going to be set. But admittedly, I didn't know that they were going to become literally the biggest fucking band in the scene. I didn't know that the Death's Peace of Mind was going to have the same effect on so many people that albums like Sempaternal and The Black Parade and Hybrid Theory had on myself when I was their ages. I didn't know that Just Pretend was going to be the biggest rock song of the decade so far. It's not something that you can ever predict or see in the distance because 
the lightning in the bottle that Bad Omens found on this cycle, it feels once in a lifetime. And yes, obviously, there have been some adverse effects with their popularity from the album, mainly due to a sector of the fanbase who are very, very rabid. And I only mention that because it's a part of the Death of Peace of Mind's lore and history. But at large, I think that this two-year anniversary is worth celebrating in the same way that it'll be worth celebrating at the mark of three years and five years and ten years and so on. This album changed the game. It's the product of hard work and dedication and passion. And it, it might be weird to say that I'm proud of some guys who I've never even met before. But that's what I'm about to do because I am fucking proud of Bad Omens. And like so many others, I will be there to celebrate with them because I'm going to be at their show in San Antonio on April 21st. So if you see me there, say what's up, throw up a peace sign, do what you gotta do. But nevertheless, all of the love in the world to Bad Omens because they deserve every single bit of this. And now I'm going to go ahead and segue into the singles for this week because... It's actually pretty stacked. We got a lot to get through, and I want to do this in a very timely and efficient manner for the sake of you guys who are busy, I'm busy, everybody's busy, let's all be busy and productive together. But not right now, because, um, I should say. Anyways, uh, first single up is by The Wonder Years, and it is called Year of the Vulture. Holy shit, bro. This song fucking rules, and I'm so happy to be able to call it one of my favorite One Year songs ever. So, as of right now, this isn't a part of a larger project by the band. It was written for the WWE NXT event Stand and Deliver, which is why it has this added aggression that is meant to fit the vibe. And to me, this is where the Wonder Years elevate themselves from being great into the territory of like masterful and generational and any other term I can think of to convey just how incredible everybody sounds on Year of the Vulture. It's super anthemic. It feels like the kind of song I could run through a fucking wall listening to while Soupy literally details that narrative through lines like, I ran my head into a brick wall, I'll swing until it breaks. If this is where the rain falls, I'm dragging you down with me. It's got energy, it's got life injected into it, it gets its point across in two minutes and gets out of there, and it leaves you as the listener feeling so floored that the Wonder Years once again knocked a song out of the park like this. You're the Vulture is such a special song, guys. Era released a brand new single, it is Blue Reverie. A little bit of a different take on the core sound of Era for this track because on the prior singles like Pell Iris and Cure, you've got that frantic and aggressive pacing with the heavy instrumentation and the trading of vocals between Jesse and JT. But on this track, Blue Reverie, Jesse takes the reins for much of the song's first half and it gives off this really like beautiful and melancholic vibrancy that I think Era do such a wonderful job at navigating just as well as their more ferocious metalcore moments. 
it's a super atmospheric song that transitions really nicely into its second phase for JT once he comes in and the song's intensity amplifies. But in the end, it all circles back to a centerpiece where both JT and Jesse carry the song so gloriously. And to me, the greatest achievement for Blue Reverie right now is that it shows all of us that ERA will be bringing with them a lot of versatility and variety to the full album Cure, and there are just endless possibilities of what that can mean, and it ultimately all makes me even more excited about this record than I already was. Um, A new-ish song by Linkin Park, it is called Friendly Fire. Similarly to some of the songs that were on the 20-year edition of Meteor from last year, Friendly Fire was a vaulted song that the band has chosen to return to and subsequently release ahead of a compilation album of some of the band's biggest hits. So Friendly Fire was written as part of the sessions for One More Light, which was the band's final record from back in 2017. To my understanding, what happened was they went in and they put together some of like the like the missing parts and components to the song, and now we have the full track. And I've always said that any, you know, quote-unquote new material from Linkin Park has gotten a ton of gravity because of the ability to hear Chester's voice in the present setting, and it always causes a lot of different emotions to go through my head. The two main ones being gratification for, you know, being able to have lived in the same time as one of the greatest vocalists in history, and then also just sadness guys because of the fact that he's not here and he really should be um you know so with friendly fire i want to hold this song close to my heart and it does sound like it would have fit right in on one more light the sort of like subdued nature of its instrumentation that still manages to be the perfect accompaniment to Chester's perfect delivery. It matches the vibe of that album to a T. And like I said earlier, guys, I'm just grateful and thankful that something like this can even exist. In the Dark is the name of the new single out right now by The City Is Ours. I got kind of caught off guard by the single in a way because The City Is Ours is a band who I've been aware of for a minute now. I've never really given them their just due or flowers on this show before. Not for any particular reason, but kind of just, you know, me not being super tapped into whatever they're doing at that specific time. But with In The Dark, it's kind of like undeniable now to... uh you know, express to you guys just how good this band is, how good this track really is, how it conveys these tones of metalcore and alternative rock all at once. I think when it wants to be like super ferocious, it excels at that. And the chorus has like this really cool melodic sensibility. It's just a really great and gripping, captivating song altogether. And I definitely recommend it to you guys. 
Letter Sent Home collaborated with Sumner from Dead Lakes on brand new song, Ignorance. Formerly of Dead Lakes, because I do believe that project is sadly donezo now. Um, not really the topic for the time being, because, um, you know, we don't really know too much about it. But otherwise, uh, Sumner is a part of the song uh, Ignorance. And I feel like ahead of the debut album by Larison Home, Forever Undone, out next month, the band has just made like constant strides and is hitting a ceiling that on a debut record, no band really has any business being as good and just like understanding of their identity the way that Letters Sent Home are. I think when you combine Emily and Sumner's voices, you get this really enchanting piece that manages to be catchy in every facet that it needs to in all the right ways, all of the right areas. It's the kind of song that is just like so easy to kind of like put on and just like sit down and relax to, chill to. It's very reminiscent of the Dead Lakes album from last year, Daydreamer, and just that like really laid back vibrancy of it. And I feel like that resonates so heavily on Ignorance. And again, if you guys are not, are not tapped into Letters Sent Home yet, I cannot suggest this band enough. They are going to do amazing things on this debut cycle of theirs. Between You and Me have a brand new song out. It is In the Middle. So, full transparency, um, I've like kind of... And, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way. If anybody from Between You and Me ever happens to hear this, uh, I mean this like in full jest and, you know, good spirit. Um, I've had conversations before online about the possibility of, uh, Jesus fucking Christ, Armageddon by Between You and Me being their Lynn's Sanity run. And what I mean by that is, uh, if you guys are, do not know, and if you don't know, then you're incredibly fucking young. Uh, Lynn Sanity refers to Jeremy Lynn, who just kind of came out of nowhere in February 2012 and was hooping left and right for the Knicks, was doing amazing things, and then did not do anything again. <laughs> Respectfully, did not do anything again. I think he won a championship later on, but, you know, it's like one of those, um, consolation things. Um, so, in reference to Armageddon, that album was sensational. It was... I believe number four for the year in 2021, one of the songs on it, Butterflies, actually was my song of the year in 2021, and it's something that I stand by still because I think Butterflies is one of the greatest pop punk songs of all time, at the very least the greatest pop punk song in this current generation and phase of the genre, but since then, the band just has not been able to gain momentum they have struggled when it comes to um you know like attendance for shows and uh 
leaving hopeless and being independent and i believe they had a single a couple months ago that wasn't really so well received i believe they said online that it was their or like one of their lowest streamed rollouts for a song ever and they kind of needed in the middle to deliver the way that it does i think this track really brings the band right back into that sweet spot that centerpiece where they are masters of the genre it's very catchy very fun very invigorating and to me this is kind of like again that sweet spot where between you and me need to exist in where they shine where they excel where they succeed and i want to see them continue to build off of this the final single that I will go into detail on for the episode is by 1056. It is called Good Morning. And good morning indeed, brother, because goddamn, this song fucking rips. Um, I've tried to mention 1056 on the show whenever I can, because even if I don't believe they're like, you know, necessarily breaking the mold or redefining what metalcore can mean and bring to all of us, they're still a great band. They're still very, very consistent. And I think Good Morning is the kind of song that is so easy for them to, you know, capitalize on and kind of have a foundation piece for their next era and whatever it is that they're going to be doing moving forward. I really enjoy kind of the, uh, like almost industrial elements that make Good Morning what it is. And just kind of like having that, that really grimy and dirty and sleazy feel to its instrumentation and production. I think that's where 1056 really shine and Good Morning helps elevate them and makes them appear to be one of the most promising acts moving forward in metalcore and every sector of heavy music that can possibly exist. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. The Devils by Bayside, Living Out a Lie by Chief State, Early Grave by Everest, Devoid of Love and Light by Extortionist, Wither by Grumster, Blood Rush by Hands Like Houses featuring Emmy Mack of Red Hook, Mugshot by Huddy, Poser by Lolo, Fall Damage by Lost Trees, shout out to them, they do the intro outro music for this show. Loser by Low Lives, Closer by Makari, Bored of Being Sad by Microwave, Do You Believe Me by Pale Skin, Invincible by Revnoir, Waiting on a Twist of Fate by Sum41, and Naive by Walwyn. So there were two songs that I gave a 3 to, Into Oblivion by Dead American. It's just kind of a, a little bit boring in most of its duration. Um, I think the instrumentation is fine. Cove just kind of doesn't really, um, you know, he's not pedestal the way that I know he can be and the way that I hope he is in the future because, you know, apparently he is going to be part of the next Sayosin album, not Anthony Green. So that is definitely something to look forward to and be excited for. And then the other song was The Ghost That Call My Name by Meyer Lore. Um, the mixture of cleans kind of just like threw me off. Uh, I feel like the chorus does not really follow suit with how strong the verses are. And it was enough of a like difference in quality to affect what I believed was the effort and the output of the track, if that makes any sense. So those were the singles. And now I will go ahead and move into 
the records for the week. There are four of them, and I might not spend too much time talking about these or like, you know, breaking it down song by song because my thoughts are kind of condensed and generalized, but they're thoughts nonetheless. So let's get to it. Let's do it. Let's make memories. Why the fuck was that what came in my head? What the hell, man? Um, anyways, the first one up is the new EP by Pale Dusk. It is Pale Hell. This is a weird little EP, brother. I can't cap to you. This is kind of for the freaks, but it's weird and freakish in an endearing way, and it's not surprising at all given that this super quirkiness has always been Pale Dusk's signature style, and also, in my opinion, their biggest strength because everything they do is so easily identifiable. Like, there is nobody else out there who sounds like Pale Dusk, past or present, and in any corner of the scene, they are, like, all to themselves, and I think Pale Hell paints that picture significantly well for the band. Like, you can just even look at the artwork for this EP, which is fucking masterful, but, like, it is this weird mashup and, like, a, a cartoon character of sorts in the middle of it, like, it's all over the place in the same way that the music is, and so I feel like there's this really cool, like, synergy between the ideas and the aesthetic and the overall presentation of what Pale Dusk really do. Um, I, I think the opening song, which is the title track, is one of the best, like, sort of, I, I guess, pace setters of the year in the sense of how it gears up the listener for the rest of the EP, if that makes any sense. Like, if you're a returning fan of Pale Dusk, then this song is everything you want it to be, and if you're new to the band, then it's the best possible crash course for all of the shit that they usually throw at the wall. Um, I think Super Pale Horse, which features Colt, is another really, really cool piece that integrates their vocalist Aviel into the song, and it's done in ways that they would not have felt out of place at all, even on a Colt song. Not every moment on the EP establishes a high point for Pale Dusk, though. I think the song Tranquilo, while a fine song the way it is, it's it's kind of too short to, you know, really let the the strengths of Pale Dusk show through because I feel like they're the kind of band who really needs that expansive canvas to, you know, kind of show off what they can do. I also thought that the closer Q2 just lacked a, a slight bit of that, you know, I guess, pizzazz that some of the earlier songs had. It wasn't the most explosive ending, but it's not something that I would willingly hold against the EP that much because it still achieved everything it needed to, which was just once again having Pale Dusk find ways to just kind of turn Metalcore on its head because all of these songs are just straight up fucking weird, but to kind of revert back to my original point at the beginning of the review, it's all done in a very endearing way. Like, I don't think anybody, or at least I don't think anybody should listen to Pale Dusk and be like, oh, they're doing too much. This is too chaotic, out of control. What, Whatever, dude. This is who they are, and I feel like they're doing that style well enough to where 
there's no reason for this not to be their identity. I think they're making the exact kind of music and waves that they should be. And even if Pale Hell, you know, kind of has its flaws here and there in my mind, I think this is still a successful outing for them. And it really just further emphasizes how necessary and important Pale Dusk's style is to Metalcore, because we always need this kind of random quirkiness to keep us on our toes, per se. Loss and Separation put out a brand new album, Sabretooth. So with Loss and Separation, I was excited to get into this album because I had never spoken about an extended project of theirs before on this show, and it's always great to, you know, like kind of bring bands into the fold for the first time, and I, I think that with this album being only eight songs, it is a super easy listen for anybody who may not have heard of the band before. The most negative thing that I can get out of the way right now about Sabretooth is that it never really tried to deviate or distance itself from the metalcore formula that other bands follow. Like, you can definitely hear their inspirations over the course of the record, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it is kind of apparent. Like, the opening song, No Kings, has an intro section that sounds very, very similar to Nihilus by Architects in the way it builds up its explosive moment with the instrumentation. I think it worked for the song, though. Um, you know, kind of the same way that I think the clean chorus on the follow-up song Persepolis also fits in with the current dominant style of the genre. And to the credit of Lost in Separation, I think it made that song even stronger. Um, in some moments towards the end of the album, I do think that you start to kind of see the lack of variety or standout moments. Like on songs uh, such as Dogma and Winter Sleep 2, I feel like while they're still good, they kind of show the uh, the instances per se of Lost and Separation's sound maybe like, you know, dragging its feet across the pavement in a way. Um, I also think that the closing song, Eden of Emptiness, it did enough to kind of slow down the pacing, just enough to make sure that that song didn't fall into those same traps per se, uh, especially with some of the electronic moments that you hear on the quiet portions of that song. Um, Ice Age, which features Aaron Gillespie of Underoath, might be the high point of the record for myself because it, it just felt like the proper compilation of all of Sabretooth's best ideas. And, you know, of course, no song is ever going to be hurt or hindered by the inclusion of Aaron Gillespie's voice. And I think overall, coming out of Lost and Separation, I feel like this is a good surface level album. Is it going to, you know, be one of the standouts for metalcore in the coming weeks or the year even no um but it, it didn't need to be i feel like all that this album really had to do was just re-establish the force that is lost in separation and you know to the credit of every member involved i, I feel like that's what happened here you have an album that it's not earth shattering groundbreaking glass shattering anything like that but it's just good and you can never be mad at an album for just being good Gloom Division is the new album available now by I Don't Know How But They Found Me. 
if nothing else, I know that with every release from IDK How, I'll always have the chance to hear something potentially cool out of a genre that I don't usually seek out on my own. And at large, IDK How's brand of pop music is the ideal bridging of sorts between their realm and then what I mostly cover on this show. And there have been plenty of moments in the past of, you know, the band managing to pull me in towards that side pretty emphatically. I look at Leave Me Alone, which was the lead single for their 2020 album, Razzmatazz, and that song remains to this day one of the best songs of the decade so far, in my opinion. Like, Leave Me Alone just has that kind of staying power, and even four years later, you know, I'm as high on it now as I was hearing it back in the pandemic. So, I feel like when it comes to IDK Howe, that kind of set them up to be, you know, like, in my peripheral forever, and also because Dallin Weeks, who is the vocalist of the band, he contributed creatively to some of, in my opinion, Panic at the Disco's best songs. So, in a way, he has, like, permanent Hooper status in my mind, although it doesn't always feel that way on this record, because, and again, I say this as somebody who does not generally listen to this style of pop, so maybe what I'm saying has no merit to it, but I was kind of bored at various points on Gloom Division. I like the direction of the album and the stylistic choices that were made because of how much they matched the identity of IDK How Perfectly, and, you know, in that regard, I would imagine that the fans of the band enjoy the album, and that's really all that matters. That's what's important here, not me reviewing the album or picking it apart. But some of the songs just kind of, like, they felt like they were, like, downtrodding the concept in a way like find me and kiss and tell they just didn't really have like or, or they didn't give me any reasons to really want to ever revisit those songs and at large the entire album um you know like the potential is kind of just like shot down in a way before it can ever really reach those heights and, and i know the heights are there because i've seen idk how dude in the past like i think downside is a cool opener and dallin's voice sounds powerful on it but when comparing it to Leave Me Alone, which I just mentioned already, it does not stand as tall as it really should or that it could. There was one song on here that I feel like I am able to position it as being one of ID Cow's best songs ever, which is a letter because I think the inclusion of the sound bites instead of direct vocals into the instrumentation, it made it stand out. It feels like the most different and creative song on the record. And when Dallin is able to, you know, like, just be that creative bird and really show these instances of integrating certain styles of pop music that we don't ever really get to hear that often, that's where IDK House shines brightly. And they kind of just, in my mind, didn't allow themselves all of that kind of space on Gloom Division. It's a fine record, and like I said earlier, if the fans of IDK Hell, like the true diehard IDK Hell fans, liked and loved this album, that's what's important. For myself, am I going to go back to this record, like, you know, the way that I do some of the songs on Razzmatazz? No, probably not. But again, that's okay. Because as long as the fan base that needed to love this album loved it, that's what matters. And last, but absolutely not least, we have the new album by Shoreline. It is called To Figure Out. I know it's going down. 
Whenever I am completely brand new to a band, I make sure to disclose that as to, you know, not make it seem like I am basing any opinions off of material from past projects of a band or artist. So because of that, this being my introduction to Shoreline makes it to where I don't have any way of projecting opinions on their abilities through anything but to figure out. I remember finding some of the singles like Seol and Reviver, and that alone was enough for me to start building excitement for the album because even though Shoreline's own Spotify bio describes them as hardcore slash emo punk, I feel like that doesn't really do enough to emphasize how unique their sound actually is. Yes, it has elements of, you know, like I said, hardcore and emo punk, but there's also hints of like indie rock and post-hardcore thrown in that make listening to this band an unforgettable experience. Reviver especially is the song that I turn to and believe to be the pinnacle of To Figure Out. There are other songs like Needles and Darius that pick up the aggression and let those hardcore elements really show through. And at those points in the album, To Figure Out feels like a sort of like a melting pot of so many cool ideas and concepts that the members of Shoreline found ways to make work in everything they try to do here. Um, I, I think Health is one of the catchiest songs on the record, and it gives more life to the non-hardcore aspects of the album. Um, Loose Contact's slow initial pacing adds this extra layer of emotion to that song. If I had to point out anything about to figure out that can be considered a gripe, it's that the album may have run just like slightly a, a bit too long, and I've always believed that saying an album is too long is a weird complaint because if you're enjoying the music, then who really cares, you know? But I just kind of feel like given the, uh, or given how the genres that Shoreline chases after, such as hardcore punk and emo, you know, really kind of tend to stylize themselves, it's a little bit out of place for the album to be as expansive as it is. But again, all of these songs do an amazing job at just kind of allowing Shoreline the chance to make an amazing first impression on somebody like myself who, you know, I'm new to the band. This was my first album from them, my first time hearing any of their singles, and I was genuinely blown away and captivated all the way through. It's such a weird sounding album in the sense that I can't point to another band and say that they have a sound that even kind of slightly mirrors what Shoreline is doing. They're very unique, not ubiquitous whatsoever, and it's the kind of style that fits their identities so well. Like, I could not imagine this album, given the packaging and the presentation of the artwork, sounding any differently than it does. And to me, that is a massive W, not just because of, you know, the album sounding amazing in my opinion but also because it makes Shoreline easily recognizable and they're a project who I will be, you know, making sure that I'm watching from here on out and I want to see more people tap into to figure out because this album really does deserve that level of love and adulation. And that's it. That was every album and EP and single for the week for me to review and I've been talking for a while now. My voice is a little bit shot. Throat's a little bit dry. You know how it goes doing this kind of stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here now. Let you guys get back to whatever it was you were doing. Go listen to music. Spend time with loved ones. Whatever it is that you're doing and what makes you happy. Go ahead and do it, brother. Uh, if anybody wants to follow Ulterior on all socials, it is at Ulterior, A-L-T-E-R-I-I-O-R -I -I on 
Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, fucking whatever else I'm on. If anybody wants to, by chance, follow my personal account, it is at Artisan Carlos, two eyes in Artisan, over on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for the support. I never know how to end these fucking things, man. I'm always just like rambling and shit, and I just call myself doing the same thing. So I will for real, for real now go ahead and let you guys go. Thank you for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene. Let's make a scene.